the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. You know, most of the time we act like our relationship with God is imposed on us. Like it's our burden to carry. And how difficult it is to trust Jesus. In reality, he's holding you together right now. All the things that you think are your efforts to secure your life are in his hands. We don't live or die by our own strength. We don't succeed or fail by our own abilities. It is either the work of God in our lives that carries us forward, or it's just not happening. Everything happens according to the will of God. Today, we begin chapter 5 of Hebrews, and I will attempt to cover verses 1 through 9. But before we do that, I want to remind you of a few things. The Holy Spirit is revealing the superiority of Christianity over Judaism in these verses. And he's revealing it to a small group of Jewish believers who are attending a Christian fellowship somewhere just outside of Jerusalem. His desire is to awaken them to the fullness of truth surrounding the new covenant so that they do not return to Judaism, the religious tradition, their old ways of worshiping and knowing God. Now, you know, I can kind of relate to that. As Christians, we've spent a lot more time living in a distant relationship with our God than an intimate one. It's only been recent in terms of years for most of us who've come into the truth that God really wants an intimate relationship with us. Most of us have been operating in this idea, well, God loves me, but he doesn't like me. God, come close, but not too close, because I don't want you to see what a wretched individual I am. We lived in this love-hate environment, and though we would not admit to that, that's been our emotional belief of God. So it's easy to return to ritualism. It's easy to return to tradition to the old ways of just showing up at church and reading the Bible when it's imposed upon us or we we feel like we need to gain God's favor. It's easier to treat him like he's distant, 
like he might reject us. The enemy wants us to continue to walk our lives, our Christian lives, in a life of separation, to continue to live like our God doesn't care, like he's distant, to pray at God rather than to align our souls with his heart and meditation, to only see him as close when we feel him, to return to a soulish worship that tickles our emotions and checks the religious box rather than to worship him in spirit and in truth, to live in a lukewarm devotion rather than by faith in a passionate pursuit to know him in every moment. As many have come into the truth of the new covenant, we've watched this in the community of grace. We've allowed ourselves to be distracted and complacent oftentimes. We've interpreted the efficacy of truth by our own comfort. I'm guilty of that. This is not too distant a struggle from what the Hebrews were going through, what they were dealing with. Except they were enduring severe persecution for their decision to become Christians. There was this external pressure and hardships, and they were coming against them. And these were not coming via the wicked pagans that ruled over them or surrounded them. This was coming, like Jesus, from friends and family, from their business associates, from their religious leaders. Now you think about that, and then how easy it would be to return to the old rituals of worship. To stand in the throng and worship the distant God of their religion, rather than gathering in a small group and worshiping Him in spirit and truth. After all, God knew that they loved Jesus, and they can worship Him anywhere, right? So many of them were falling away. Returning to a religion of separation and outward devotion, it's like a loveless marriage. This letter is an effort to remind these Hebrew believers of the truth of their relationship with Christ. The relationship that God had desired for them to have since he formed the foundations of the world. These Hebrew believers struggled with Jesus and his humanity. So the Spirit of God gives them the revelation of Jesus, the high priest. This was an office that they had a great deal of acquaintance with. They understood it. They understood its qualifications and requirements. They saw the high priest as the one who represented them, who stood above them and brought their sacrifices before God for them. So they didn't understand who, how Jesus could be a high priest. And this is what is established in this particular section of Scripture. In verses 1 through 4, we'll examine the requirements of a high priest. And then in verses 5 through 9, we'll see how Jesus meets those requirements. Now we're going to look at our text. And if you will stand with me, we're going to read chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in things relating to God so that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the spiritually ignorant and misguided since he is also subject to human weakness. And because of this human weakness, he is required to offer sacrifices for sins for himself as well as for the people. And besides, 
One does not appropriate for himself the honor of being high priest, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So, too, Christ did not glorify himself so as to be made high priest, made a high priest, but he was exalted and appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten, fathered, you declared you author- your authority and rule over the nations. Just as he also says in another place, you are a priest appointed forever according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his earthly life, Jesus offered up both specific petitions and urgent supplications for that which he needed with a fervent crying and tears to the one who was always able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission toward God, his sinless and unfailing determination to do the Father's will. Although he was a son who had never been disobedient to the Father, he learned active, special obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, uniquely equipped, and prepared as Savior, and retaining his integrity and amid opposition, he became the source of eternal salvation and eternal inheritance to all those who obey. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, I know some of you think... Gosh, I wish I'd packed lunch or sat closer to the exit. But in reality, this flows. Now, a lot of people think that it's principally academic. In fact, I heard, I read some commentators who said the same thing. But I think that there's some very important points that the Spirit of God is trying to reveal to us through this portion of Scripture. Now, as we look through verses 1 through 3... We see two very clear qualifications. First, and most importantly, the high priest must be chosen by God. Man looks upon the outward appearance. God looks upon the inner being, the heart, not just for that moment, but for eternity. He sees man from beginning to eternity forward. He sees all of us. He doesn't just see us in the moment. So God looks upon the inner being. If the high priest had been appointed by man, then the whole thing would have been man-centered. We appointed him. We chose him. We selected him. We ordained him. He represents us. The high priest was ordained by God, selected by God. God himself opened the way of access. It was not our initiation, but it was God's initiation and God's invitation. God set this whole thing up so that there would be a connection between man and God. He was chosen by God to act on behalf of man in things related to God. He represented man as a man. And called them to live in the light of their God. He offered sacrifices and made atonement for their sins so that they might continue in worship, in the worship of God, in the reverence before God. And the thing that the Jews so often missed, except for very few of them, is that this was all in order that God may may perpetuate a relationship with them. This was not to impose himself upon the people, but that the people might know their God. 
That's the same kind of issue that we allow the enemy to back our emotions into, isn't it? To believe that God is imposing the relationship upon us? Well, it's my prayer time. Well, I'm going to do my Bible study. Well, I guess I've got to go to church. It's time. You know, we don't have a clue when we act that way. Oh, we're not seeing God. We're seeing our own flesh. We have not yet tapped into the abundance of His pleasure and blessing in the worship of God. We're too self-centered, too man-centered in terms of our time and our attention that we actually have to prioritize God rather than seeing Him as God, very God, overall. So... In order that the Jew might live as the people of God and know his love, his protection, his mercy, his grace, he had a high priest that literally was about directing the focus of the people to the mercy, grace, and presence of God. Verse 2. He is able to deal gently with the spiritually ignorant and misguided since he is also subject to human weakness and because of this human weakness he is required to offer sacrifices for sins for himself as well as for the people. So the second qualification was that he was to be taken from among men and that he might be in order that he might be compassionate a compassionate high priest. God chose him from amongst men in order to be able to deal gently with the spiritually ignorant and misguided. The high priest on the Day of Atonement would set aside his priestly garments, which were quite beautiful. They were very ornate. And having washed himself, he would clothe himself in linen, and he would make a sacrifice for his own sin. He would take an atonement for his own sin. That's in Leviticus 16, in case you're wondering. Then he would put on his rich robes of office and go into the Holy of Holies representing the people. He must make a sacrifice for his own failures and sin. He must be honest before God about his own weaknesses before he can represent the people. Now, when we come before the Lord, if we're not being honest before him, if we have not dealt with the issues that we know he wants us to deal with, then we come before him with this arrogance, with this judgment, or we do him the disservice of praying and wrote the same thing over and over again. We do not ever deal with the tenderness of his heart for us and his concern for our, our continued rejection of his overtures. Here's the thing. We need to repent of sin, which basically means to turn from sin. Do you know why God calls you to repent? He calls you to repent so that you're not going to be distracted. It's like going into the room to talk to your boy and he's on his phone. And you have to say, put the phone down, son. You know, I'm old enough to remember when that wasn't even a problem. But put the phone down, son, because I need to share something with you. That's what God is trying to do with your sins. 
You see, Jesus has already taken care of it. Sin is not the issue. Then distraction is the issue because God wants you to put your eyes on his eyes. Have you ever talked to someone who's just looking all over the place? I used to know a fellow, every time I go to talk to him, he's looking around to see if there was anybody else to talk to. Well, I think that's insulting. Of course, having talked to myself, I understand to some degree. The issue with us is that we want to stay distracted, don't we? Sin is destruction. And you know what? The enemy has taken it to a whole new level in this society, hadn't he? we got lots of things to keep our focus on everything but him. He went and dealt with his own weaknesses before he represented the people. You know that word compassion, as it is translated in context, means to bear gently their suffering before the Lord because you feel it too. It's sharing the compassion of the Lord in the difficulties of others. To share his heart in order to comfort It's not about emotion. It's about bringing his comfort because you know what it is to need that very same comfort. The high priest was to bear the word of God before ignorant people. Now look, this doesn't mean that you have fallen where they've fallen, that you've suffered where they suffered, where you sympathize or empathize because you've gone through what they've gone through, and God certainly uses that. But what he's talking about is that you bear the heart of God before them. You bear his concern, his compassion, his desire for them. Because you are bearing witness to the truth of the Father's heart when you minister. When you truly minister, you are the word become flesh. That's who you are. They don't need a witness of your flesh. They don't need a witness of your self-righteousness. They don't need a witness of your sympathy. They need a witness of the heart of the Father, don't they? Because only in that is their healing. Only in that is their restoration. It isn't in us saying, oh, you poor dear. It is in us, before even opening our mouth, laying our own thoughts and perceptions concerning this thing before the Lord and saying, Father, extend to them through me your heart for them, your love for them, your desire for them. That's what we need. The high priest was to bear the word of God before the ignorant and guide the misguided to truth. Now, I want you to see in this the heart of the Father towards you. He does not He wants to deliver us from ignorance. He wants us to be guided in the right direction. That's a shepherd. The high priest must share in our humanity and our sufferings, our trials, our failings, in order that he might know compassion upon the ignorant and misguided. And that word ignorant, it's actually not talking about stubborn stupidity, okay? That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the resolutely wrong, which are celebrated in our society. What he's talking about is people who do not know or who do not understand. That's what that word means. They do not know or they do not understand. The misguided are those who have been led astray. Now, he doesn't deal with people, the high priest that is, is not to deal with people with arrogance but with a humble awareness of his own weaknesses. 
If you want to minister to somebody, you need to be aware that his life is the one that ministers. You also need to be aware that you suffer the same weaknesses as everybody else does. Why? Because you're bearing it in the body. Verses 4 and 5. And besides, one does not appropriate for himself the honor of being high priest, but he is called by God just as Aaron was. That's verse 4. Did you catch that? It says, one does not appropriate for himself, what? The honor. Do you get that? How huge that is? The honor. Jesus is honored to represent you. And it's not because of how wonderful you are. It's because you represent the greatest work of the triune God as a believer. You are the new creation. And Jesus is honored. God is honored. Jesus says, these are my brethren. God says, these are my children. One does not appropriate himself for himself the honor of being high priest. The honor of making sacrifice for the sins of others. The honor of atonement. The honor of setting the people right. The honor of bringing the ignorant into wisdom. The honor of leading the misguided into the true way. But that one must be called of God as Aaron was. Now that had to ring a lot of bells for the Jewish people because Aaron was highly revered as a first high priest in many cases. But he wasn't a first high priest. They saw him that way. Honored. Picked. Called by God. So too, Christ did not glorify himself so as to be made high priest. But he was exalted and appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten fathered you. You, fathered you, declared your authority and rule over the nations. God exalted him. God highly exalted him. Jesus did not appoint himself. He did not glorify himself in order to be made high priest. But it was by God that he was exalted just as Aaron was chosen by God. Now, every Jew knew who Aaron was, and they knew that Aaron was appointed by God. And then the author quotes an Old Testament verse, which they would have been aware of, Psalm 2, 7, chapter 2, verse 7, which is, you are my son. Then in John, it reminds you of John chapter 8, verse 54, where Jesus answers and he says, if I glorify myself... My glory is worth nothing. It is the Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. You see this over and over again, particularly in John, that Jesus is not going to embrace any identity other than servant of God, chosen of God. He completely yields all things unto God. He is both man and he is divine. Divinity and humanity in one. And yet he does not allow either one of them to be his identity. In both cases, he yields to the Father. Philippians 2.9. For this reason also, 
because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Christ did not come into his office uninvited. God chose him and set him apart before the foundations of the world were formed. The triune God selected Jesus. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Jesus is chosen of God, God's mediator, God's sacrifice, God's intercessor. When he was baptized, God exclaimed, this is my son. That's in Matthew 3. And then we read here in Hebrews where God says, you are my son, a quote from the Old Testament. And God would have us recognize the relationship. You hear him talk about son over and over again. He's pointing to his relationship with Jesus. He wants us to see that the connection with Christ, the reason this is quoted here in Hebrews, he wants us to see that the connection with Christ is greater than his office. He is the Son of God. He is our high priest in his divinity as well as in his humanity. The perfect eternal high priest who not only brings us before the throne, but has birthed us into an eternal relationship. He is our high priest for eternity. Did you recognize that you're going to need a high priest in eternity? And I say need advisedly. He is who he is for eternity. For eternity, he represents us. For eternity, he is clothed in us. For eternity, he is our life. For eternity, he is everything to us. This isn't just to get us over the hump of this earth. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.